0: Good afternoon, everybody. It is a beautiful day here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and thank you so much for listening to Third Gear, a Formula One racing podcast. I'm Katie Egan, a marketing major with a passion for Formula One, and on this week's episode, let's talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix as well as preparing for Spa this upcoming weekend. The championship can only be won by one! And it's lights out, and away we go! Oh, oh. Welcome to 3rd Gear with Keg e, 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 e. All of your F1 news, all in one place. Play, play. Episodes every other Thursday at 3. So last week, that amazing introduction was made by Charlie Moore. Thank you again, always and forever. I will love that intro, and I could not have gotten it without you. So thank you so much for making that for me. Now let's go ahead and talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix. So if you didn't know, last weekend was the Hungarian Grand Prix and then this upcoming weekend is the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. These two races are the last double header and then it is summer break so we won't have another race until the end of August. Um, so let's go ahead and make the most of these last two races. We'll go ahead and talk about Hungary, everything that happened and then we'll prepare for Spa, make some predictions and I'll talk to you guys again about how that race went after. So going into Hungary, there were a few things that we had to keep in mind. Um, The first thing was Daniel Ricciardo's return to Formula One. If you didn't know, last season, Daniel Ricciardo was not given a seat and was hired as Red Bull's reserve driver, which means if one of the drivers were to get sick or if for whatever reason they needed him, he could step in. But after the unfortunate loss of Nick DeVries, who lost his seat at AlphaTauri, which is Red Bull's junior team, Daniel Ricciardo was hired to take his place. So this will be Daniel Ricciardo's first race with Alfa Tauri this season and his first race in general this season. He now has a definite seat until at least the end of the year. And then we'll just have to see where his career goes from there. So all eyes are on Ricciardo as we see how he does in his return race. There's also a lot of pressure on Perez. He has missed out on qualifying in Q3 for the last five races in a row since Miami, so this is sort of his get-it-together moment, Um, especially with Daniel Ricciardo adding some extra pressure on him in that AlphaTauri seat. We're going to want to keep an eye on Perez, see if he qualifies well, um, see if he performs well in the race, all of those sort of things. He definitely has some pressure on him to do well this race. We're also keeping an eye on McLaren as their upgrades have helped them perform exceptionally well these past two races. So, we're hoping to see even more success from them coming about as well. And then, the last thing that we should keep an eye on is a lot of new kind of changes this past weekend. So, this weekend there was the debut of the new Pirelli tires and also some upgrades by some teams. These Pirelli tires were also put into a new qualifying format. So in each of the qualifying sessions, every car is required to use a different tire compound. In Q1, hard compound tires. In Q2, medium compound tires. And in Q1, soft compound tires. Now let's go ahead and jump straight into practice. Practice session one was heavily affected by weather. There was a lot of rains. So it caused some slipping, some incidents. We saw a few cars beach themselves, few cars take some damage and a lot of uh, struggle out on the track for sure. Uh, McLaren did pretty well in the first practice session. Red Bull did not necessarily. um, We did see Perez crash out in the first practice session which was a rough start to his weekend and intensified I think the pressure for qualifying for him to do well seeing as Red Bull was testing out their new upgrades for this race. The fastest of the session was George Russell in his Mercedes while Lewis Hamilton was actually in last having completed only three laps. Some other drivers who suffered some damage as well as Sergio Perez who crashed out was Yuki Sonoda and Carlos Sainz. Carlos took a little spin and took some damage to his front wing but was able to get back out on the track and head back to the pits and Yuki Sonoda also took a little bit of damage to his front wing but otherwise the practice session went pretty standard. Like I said, George Russell was in first, followed by Oscar Piastri in the McLaren in second, Lance Stroll in third, and then Lando Norris in fourth for the other McLaren car. We also saw Fernando Alonso do pretty well in the other Austin Martin in P5, Valtteri Bottas in P6, Charles Leclerc in P7, Zhou Guan Yu in P8, Logan Sargent in P9, and Nico Hülkenberg in P10. Practice session two took place later in the day and was pretty relatively dry, so drivers were able to go out on medium and soft compound tires and not have to worry about slipping around too much. Charles Leclerc topped the times for all the drivers, and both Alpines were in the top five. Lots of drivers opted to test just the medium compound tires with full fuel tanks rather than soft compound tires with lighter fuel loads. This meant that drivers like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen only went out on medium compound tires. Also, up in the top positions, we had Leno Norris in 2nd for McLaren, Pierre Gasly in 3rd for Alpine, Yuki Tsunoda in 4th for Avatari, and Esteban Alcon in 5th for Alpine. Practice Session 3 took place on Saturday, ahead of qualifying. For Practice Session 3, Lewis Hamilton topped the times, with Max Verstappen followed shortly behind in 2nd, and Sergio Perez in 3rd. We also had uh, surprising Nico Hulkenberg up in 4th for practice session 3, and the McLaren following him right after of Lando Norris. Nothing too notable happened in practice 3, and so we move on to qualifying, which was arguably the most interesting part of the weekend. Some notable qualifying results had Lewis Hamilton in 1st, with Max Verstappen in 2nd, and Lando Norris in 3rd, as well as Zhou Guan Yu up in 5th, Sergio Perez getting out of his bad streak of qualifyings, but still only qualifying in 9th place, and then Daniel Ricciardo in 13th. By each session, remember that we have the updated format, so this meant that all of the drivers in Q1 had hard compound tires, Q2 mediums, and then Q3 had softs. Eliminated in Q1 had Logan Sargent in 20th, Kevin Magnussen in 19th, George Russell in 18th, Yuki Tsunoda in 17th, and Alex Albon in 16th. Russell was a surprise knockout in Q1, and it was definitely shown on Toto Wolf's face. He was definitely quite upset with that um, elimination, but it ended up working out for Mercedes in the end, at least half their team anyways. Q2 was a little more dramatic. We had Carlos Sainz eliminated and taking P11, and we also had Pierre Gasly eliminated for track limits, which caused him to be eliminated as well. But for the first time in six races since Miami, Sergio Perez made it to Q3, breaking his horrible qualifying streak. Drivers eliminated in Q2 had Pierre Gasly starting in 15th, Lance Stroll in 14th, Daniel Ricardo in 13th with his debut for Alpha Tauri, Esteban Alcon in 12th, and Carlos Sainz in 11th. Q3 had the drivers back out on their soft compound tires like they normally would for qualifying sessions. And we had a surprise pole sitter of lewis hamilton taking his 104th pole position in formula one he beat out max verstappen by i believe it was three thousandths of a second point zero zero three of a second what oh that's insane good for him amazing so lewis hamilton ended the streak and we had lewis hamilton and max verstappen starting on the front line again this is, uh, is, I think, a pretty exciting front line, and it set up the race to be somewhat exciting because of their famous notable rivalry from the 2021 season. Lando Norris qualified P3, and his teammate Oscar Piastri and the other McLaren qualified on that second row with him. Then came some of our notable qualifying drivers. Zhou Guanyu qualified P5, his highest qualification in Formula One for Alfa Romeo. Well, Charles Leclerc followed behind him in the Ferrari. Then had Valtteri Bottas, the other Alfa Romeo teammate of Joguanyu, in P7. Fernando Alonso in P8. And although breaking his qualifying streak of not making it to Q3, Sergio Perez still didn't qualify very high. So it'll be interesting to see if he can qualify, I don't know, at least in the top front two rows um, in Spa. And then in P10, we had Nico Hulkenberg for Haas. So I think it's a pretty fun um, top 10. I mean, I see some names. I love Nico Hulkenberg, Joe Guan Yu all the way up there, and then, of course, the two McLarens at the top. Not, not the typical qualifying that we have seen the past few races. So the top 10 for Sunday's race had Lewis Hamilton on pole, Max Verstappen in second, Lando Norris in third, Oscar Piastri in fourth, Joe Guan Yu in fifth, Charles Leclerc in sixth, Valtteri Bottas in seventh, Fernando Alonso in eighth, Sergio Perez in ninth, and Nico Hulkenberg in tenth. None of the starting grid was changed at all for the race, so we can just go ahead and hop straight into it. So most of the action for the race took place on that first lap, honestly within the first like two, three corners. <laughs> in the first corner, Max Verstappen overtook Lewis Hamilton, and then Oscar Piastri capitalized on that opportunity and stole second place from Hamilton as well so now coming out of turn one we had Max Verstappen in first Oscar Piastri in second and Lewis Hamilton in third and then into the second corner Lando Norris was able to pass Lewis Hamilton as well so an unfortunate start for Hamilton saw him dropping from first to fourth in the first two corners while Max Verstappen Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris all moved up and Oscar Piastri moved up two places While this is going on, there's an incident in the middle runners. Um, Zhou Guanyu, after qualifying so well, had such a poor start. It was heartbreaking, but he um, basically almost stalled out his car when those lights went out, and it caused him to drop considerable positions um, back towards 15th, 13th, uh, that general area of drivers, and in his attempt to make up positions, he ended up, well, he ended up running into the back of daniel ricardo who then caused it was like a chain reaction so the way it was set up was it was like a capital t shaped with the two alpines up at the front daniel ricardo just back and in, in between the two and then joe glen you directly behind daniel ricardo and unfortunately the way it happened going into turn one actually it might have just been off the line it might not even have been going into turn one it was basically right before turn one, Zhou Guan Yu hit the back of Daniel Ricciardo, who then was pushed into the Alpines, and then the Alpines crashed into each other and took one another out, which is the second time we have seen both Alpine drivers be involved in a collision between the two of them, and then both be forced to retire the last time was in Australia. A double retirement from a double collision by Alpine. The incident caused by Zhou Guanyu caused him to get a five second penalty for causing a collision, and then unfortunately, as well as knocking out the two Alpine drivers, caused Daniel Ricardo to drop considerably in the positions as well. Honestly, throughout the race, not that much happened after. Um, George Russell had some incredible overtaking, and what started as a P18 start finished for him in P6, which is pretty well done. Um, Sergio Perez also had quite a few great overtakes, specifically over signs, uh, Oscar Piastri, and Lewis Hamilton, um, starting in P9 and ending in P3. Logan Sargent also retired the Williams car on lap 67 out of 70, which is unfortunate, but otherwise... There was not a whole lot of changes to the grid. Daniel Ricciardo finished P13 after his incident in the opening lap. Joe Guanyu finished P16 after his incident. And Charles Leclerc ended up getting a five-second penalty after the race for speeding in the pit lane, which caused him to drop from P6 to P7 and George Russell to take that P6 from him. Our final finishing order for the top 10 had... Max Verstappen winning the race with Lando Norris in 2nd, Sergio Perez in 3rd, Lewis Hamilton in 4th, Oscar Piastri in 5th, George Russell in 6th, Charles Leclerc in 7th, Carlos Sainz in 8th, Fernando Alonso in ninth, and Lance Stroll in 10th. This race also meant several records. Sergio Perez had the fastest pit stop of 1.9 seconds stationary, which is the fastest pit stop on the new Pirelli tires also broken by Red Bull this weekend, is the longest win streak by a constructor or team in history. Um, It was previously held by McLaren with 11 wins in a row, but is now held by Red Bull with 12 in a row. Um, Now with Max Verstappen, seven wins in a row. To go along with that, Red Bull has a 100% win streak so far this season, which is insane. Like that's, and honestly, feasibly, they could potentially end the season with a 100% win streak if it continues how it's going now. Of course, we have a whole second half of the season with many different tracks, many different conditions, and many different teams on the rise, so there's no saying if that's going to happen. But theoretically, it could, which is insane. Also, in pit news, Charles Leclerc had a horrible pit stop that caused him to be stationary for, I think, about nine seconds. Due to a wheel gun issue. That's about it for Hungary. It wasn't the most interesting of races. But we did get a few new names up in the top 5, top 10. Which is promising for the rest of the season to come. Seeing some new front runners. Seeing some new challengers of Red Bull. All of that is great. Other things about Hungary. Lando Norris broke Max Verstappen's trophy. If you didn't see that. Lando's podium celebration is like slamming the champagne bottle down on the podium. Causing it to... like explode upwards um and actually for the second time in a row now he's knocked off the the trophy from that top podium spot um in silverstone it was fine because the trophy is pretty sturdy but the porcelain fragile trophy of Hungary caused it to the base and the top to like shatter off i don't know what was done about that hopefully they just glued it back together but it has character now, so. Alright, and now let's move on to talk about Belgium. One of the most famous Formula One tracks, I think. Um, it's definitely one a lot of people think about. At least I think about it. I'm like, ah, oh, racetrack. Famous racetrack, Spa. The Circuit de spa Francochamps held its first Grand Prix in 1950. Um, it has a total number of 44 laps with a circuit length of 7.004 kilometers long. The entire race distance is is 308.052 kilometers long, and the lap record was set by Valtteri Bottas in 2018 of a 1.46.28. The track has a total of 19 corners with two DRS zones, one along the straight between turns 4 and 5, and then one along the shorter straight between 18 and 1, the main pit straight. Spa has a lot of ups and downs, a lot of elevation changes, as well as a lot of varyings of turn they have some high speed kind of swoopy turns and then they have a lot of tight hairpins and even some chicanes thrown in there so it has a super tight chicane actually between 18 like eight turns 18 and 19 so it's i think a pretty difficult track and there tends to be weather there which can sometimes throw in a little bit of a surprise the track was built back in 1921 which used public roads between the towns of Francochamps, Maldi, and Stevla, and was developed was redeveloped into what it is today in 1979. Uh, it was made about literally half of the length shorter. It held its first Grand Prix in 1950 for the maiden championship year of Formula One, and it held non-championship Grand Prix going back as far as 1924. First race in that took place here that was part of the championship season was won by Juan Michael Fangio, who is a five-time Formula One world champion. So Spa has a lot of mixing conditions. It's got long straights, fast corners. It has um, tight, slow corners, uh, a rouge, which is a really famous sequence of corners, and it has a lot of elevation changes. And then there's a lot of varying weather that can occur throughout the weekend, meaning that not only will different days have different weathers, but it's absolutely possible for different corners to have different weather than the rest of the track. Last year, the race was won by Max Verstappen with Sergio Perez in second and Carlos Sainz in third. And the fastest lap was set by Max Verstappen of a 149.35. The race weekend will take place with the new sprint format. So there will be Free practice one and qualifying for the race taking place on Friday with a sprint shootout and the sprint on Saturday, and then the actual race itself on Sunday. Lewis Hamilton holds the most pole positions here with six, and the most wins is held by Michael Schumacher with six. Um, Spa is the longest circuit on the Formula One calendar, and the average pit stop time loss for this race is 18.57 seconds. There's a 63% chance of there being a safety car and a 25% chance of a virtual safety car based off of the last eight races taking place in Spa. The speed trap for this race takes place right after turn four prior to the super long straight. The last five Belgian GP winners had Max Verstappen in 22, 21, and then Lewis Hamilton in 2020. Charles Leclerc won in 2019 and Sebastian Vettel won in 2018 compounds being used this weekend will be the C2, hards, C3, medians, and C4 softs. Alright, and the weather shows lots of rain. Friday looks mostly cloudy with overcast and a high chance of showers throughout the day and afternoon. Chance of rain is 80% and the average temperatures will be about 18-19 degrees Celsius or about mid to high 60s. On Saturday, which hosts the Sprint Shootout and the Sprint, we will see some clouds with a chance of heavy showers later in the day, but less of a chance of rain on Saturday than there is on Friday. The temperatures for Saturday have about an average of 19, 20 degrees Celsius or high 60s. Lastly, Sunday or race day, there is a much lower chance of rain as the weekend goes on, but there's still slight chance of showers around the afternoon. And the average race temperature is going to be about 17 degrees Celsius, or about 63 degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, we have some things to look forward to. Lots of chances for rain, weather, which means excitement, which means slippery. We've seen some pretty big crashes here in the past with rain, and we've seen some pretty big rain delays as well as kind of low-key cancellations in the past. So we really have kind of a lot to hopefully look forward to. Hopefully the weather will cause a little bit of spin on, ha, see what I did there, on the drivers potentially during the race, but also just on the weekend results in general. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say. I know that this episode is a little lacking compared to my last ones, but I'm hoping to come up with some fun ideas that are a little more engaging, a little more exciting over the summer break to keep us busy as we wait for Formula 1 to come and return. I forgot to make my predictions so super fast I think that qualifying I think it's going to be a Lando Norris poll with Max Verstappen no no no. all right I think it's gonna be Lando Norris poll Oscar Piastri second and then Max Verstappen third and then I think that the race is going to end with Lando Norris having his maiden win in Formula One Max Verstappen in second and then Oscar Piastri in third I think that the fastest lap is going to go to Max Verstappen, and I think that driver of the day will go to Lando Norris. I think if anyone's going to crash out in Spa, it is going to be George Russell into the first corner. Other things. I think that Daniel Ricciardo is going to do really well. He's not going to have anyone crash into him this race, and we'll be able to see how he like actually performs in the AlphaTauri. Oh, I forgot, and there's a sprint race. I think the sprint is going to be won by Max Verstappen. I I think he'll qualify on pole for the sprint as well. Um, I do think that there's going to be weather definitely during qualifying for the race. And I think during, at the very beginning of the sprint, but it'll dry up. Or the track will just be wet at the beginning of the sprint, maybe. And then I think for the race, maybe there will be some threats, maybe a few pitter-patters that like kind of cause it to be slippery, but not enough that the drivers need to put on intermediates. That's everything for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, in two weeks, I'm going to be posting the last episode I will be posting in the U.S. because then I move overseas. So I'm planning something fun. I want to do like a trivia or some sort of game episode with my family so stay tuned for that and I will see you guys all in the next episode thank you so much for listening and take care of yourselves Tell me that you model if, if you ain't been invoked. This is her too. Oh, that's exciting news. Exciting news, um, F1 Academy is having all ten teams from Formula One put their names on their cars, which is awesome. It means that there's like legit team like sponsors all 10 teams, all of them, Ferrari, Red Bull, McLaren, Aston Martin, all of them are sponsoring teams in F1 Academy. So that is so awesome. I can't wait. The only thing that they're missing is freaking broadcasting them. Like I can't even watch the races and I want to so bad. For. This is actually not Formula One driver. This is Lizzie McIntosh. If again, if you don't know who Lizzie McIntosh is, Get out from that rock you're living on. If you're in the Formula One world and you don't know who she is, she's the most amazing freaking person ever. She has my dream job, my dream life. She just, I obviously I don't know her personally, but she seems like she has it all so well held together. I like am in awe by her. She goes to the, she's an F1 TV presenter. So basically she goes to the races and she does like driver's interviews and uh, track walks and you know, paddock tours and stuff, and they're broadcasted on the screens at the races, and she's so talented, so amazing, so beautiful, and she has a podcast, she's got, she's on TikTok, she's amazing, I tend. oh my god, I love her, and I want to be her so bad, (laughs) and I want her job, basically, it's essentially what I'm going at here, but anyway, check her out, um, her podcast is called Going Purple, if you're listening to this one and not listening to hers, like, wow, I'm honored, but get your ass over on her podcast all right oh <laughs> i feel like brand new broski right now she's so funny if you guys don't know who brand new broski is hop on that she's the kombucha girl that's what she got famous for on tiktok like originally but she's the most accurate representation of like a girl i have ever seen like in the media, if that makes sense, like unapologetically a girl. <laughs> she sits there and she does her little podcasts and she pulls up pictures of her celebrity crushes and just like kind of giggles and she's- it's me, that is me, that is what I do all the time. That's what I'm doing right now. Is this false? You have experience with that? Or? No, no, I don't. no. Okay. Guys, I love Maggie Staubman. If you didn't know that, I'm like convinced I'm gonna marry him because I'm delusional and I pretend like (laughs) Kelly PK doesn't exist. (sighs) (laughs) I'm coming for him when I visit Monaco this year. Will he be there? Probably not, but I'm gonna pretend he is.